Keep an eye on him, Chip! Chaz! Hey, guys, Chaz, let me in. Who are you? Chris Moore, Capitol Records, A&R. Come on, let me in. I told you, man, things are going our way. Take a few steps back from the door. You toss me some ID. Hey, hey. All right, man, so how'd you find us? The cops told me you guys are looking for a record contract. There's something going on here we got to take immediate advantage of, guys. Yeah, Come on, let's talk, huh? Yeah, what's that? What's that? Will you look? This is hot. You guys are the hottest thing since Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Marky Mark, man, that guy sucks. Okay, forget Marky Mark. There's magic out here, guys. Let's talk contracts. I promise you, someday we're going to be backstage at the Forum laughing about this. All right, let me ask you a question. What side are you taking the big David Lee Roth Van Halen split? What do you mean? What kind of question is that? What side did you take, Halen or Roth? Van Halen. He's a cop. Oh, come Later, on, guys. Taken. Oink, oink. It's strictly a judgment call. They sold a lot of records after Dave left the group. Come on, one more question. Hey, come on, Jeff, one more. Right, 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 right. Who'd win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah. God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are a podcast, Cracks Open Beer, and we talk about some movies. Now, we are on week two of Mike and Ross's picks, and this time it's my week to pick two. And I figured we'd go back to the early 90s to some great uh, overlooked comedies, or at least uh, oft-forgotten comedies with uh men at work and airheads and uh i just god i love these fucking movies they're yeah so they're they're pretty great <laughs> yeah so before we do any of that though we got to discuss what we are drinking so mike what do you have so in line with kind of both of these movies i did lunacy brewing as they're both kind of involve lunatics i did crooked steps which crooked kind of works better with men at work because they're kind of co- uncovering like a conspiracy type of thing yeah 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 and it's a 7.5 percent strong ale got my chalice <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. i like it it's, yeah it's um <clears throat> nothing too crazy not very bitter uh it's Kind of just a cool, refreshing ale. Uh, more more refreshing than I thought for a 7.5%. Yeah, those are usually a little bit heavier. You know? mm-hmm. But uh, all right, so next guy is Lunacy. And of course, being my week, I went back to Old Faithful at Ship Bottom Brewery. And this time I am, I'm doing a Mary Lee, Please Don't Eat Me, Saison Ale. And it's obviously I picked Ship Bottom because it's my week. So I picked my favorite beer, my favorite brewery. But uh Golf clap. Golf clap. <laughs> but I mean, Mary Lee, who's on the Mary Lee Saison is so good. It's 5%. It's just a delicious little Saison to just sit <laughs> and drink and drink forever. And I kind of love it. And of course, um, there's a bony can art that's a big old shark mouth and it's just cool looking. So Ship on Brewery makes a triumphant return. And uh, now we can get into the the men of the hour or the men at work of the hour. So 1990s men at work, written and directed by Emilio Estevez. <laughs> I'm I wish I had my Emilio tank top immediately available just to have <laughs> near me, but I believe it is upstairs. Uh, yes. I was so I was at a football game today, and it was kind of a rush job to get back. <laughs> was not <laughs> did not have the setup time I usually have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were going to record this a couple of days ago, but I completely forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I had no clue. Like, I got the remote of my, my alert on my phone. I was like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> I texted Mike, and Mike's like, oh, yeah, I'll be in, I'll be in D.C. that day. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we're going to do this. We did this a little bit later than usual, but we are uh, recording on a normal night. But, um, yeah, Emilio Estevez, written and directed by, it's, man, Starring obviously Emilio Estevez and his brother Carlos, aka Charlie Sheen, aka Carl, in this movie, we hear uh, we hear Carl's name mentioned a lot in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this movie, I love when they find uh, somebody was it, somebody threw out a perfectly good white dude. 
It looks a lot like that dude. Yeah. <laughs> <As> the councilman. <laughs> the councilman who's uh part he's he's roped up in um a pollution dumping scheme and uh he uh, it's because Maxwell Potterdam the third has to make paint thinner and his uh his the waste products from that process have to go somewhere so we dumping them in the Pacific and he's roped this local councilman into uh his scheme and the guy gets a uh gets a, a an attack of conscience so he uh he secretly records Maxwell Potterdam the third and the whole movie kicks off from there because he has a tape of he uses that he's going to use to bribe Maxwell, turn him in, get him arrested, blah, blah, blah. So he gets killed and the hunt for the tape begins. And just like in Twins, there is a random ass mafia subplot movie in this yeah. movie, in this comedy about garbage men. <laughs> now, I think my favorite line from the movie is, there are several sacred things in this world that you do, don't ever mess with. One of them happens to be another man's fries. Now you remember that and you will live a long and healthy life. Right. Good old Keith David, man. Keith David. Now, this is funny because this was my introduction to Keith David. You know, like I remember seeing him in this before anything else. So, like, I'd never seen him in They Live or The Thing or, you know, anything else that he's been in, you know. But, like, I like watching this, I was like, this is this man. I love this man. <laughs> now, I'm trying to think what my introduction to Keith David would have been. Was it Coraline as the cat? It, that's definitely a possibility. It's also a possibility. Yeah, I think Coraline might be it. Yeah, it could I be. think so. But yeah, but like when he delivers that rant in the truck when they get pulled over, and he starts like, "Hey, man, I know you, man." <laughs> he just keeps going. And then my favorite line in that whole little rant is when he says, "Now he's like, now cooperator, I'll pull the before I pull this trigger and make." make you change the way you feel about me <laughs> it's like that's such a great line <laughs> yeah yeah i mean keith david's just awesome he really is he you might he's also the president in rick and morty which is yep. kind of hilarious absolutely he's so good as that too like there's the yeah. antagonist to rick most of the time he's, he's, yeah. he's hilarious um, of course, we got Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, or Carlos Estevez and Emilio Estevez. The brothers Estevez, Carlos and Emilio. And we, I was watching the Phil's game today. Apparently, there's a Carlos Estevez on the Rockies. He's a pitcher. <laughs> I was like, oh, they got Rick Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about Carlos Estevez, and we've talked about Emilio <laughs> Estevez, but this week we get to talk about them together. Together. And I think if you were to, obviously, we are a, uh, a podcast where we drink we drink some beer while we're doing these talks. If we were to do a drinking game every time that they say Carl or James to each other, yeah, I don't think you'd make it past their first route, you know, their first like trash route in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> every time I watch this movie, my response to everything immediately goes golf clap, golf, golf clap. clap. It's so good because, and again, like the golf clap, like that's the first time I'd ever heard that too. It's like, it's like that is absolutely, it's one of the greatest, you know, like introductions, like uh, things to be put out in like culture, you know, the golf clap. Yeah. <laughs> With this movie, so this movie, I, the script is decent. It's a good, solid comedy script, but what really sells the movie is the performances from, Charlie, Emilio, and Keith David. Absolutely. Uh, like, I, I think the, the script is fine. Like, I think Emilio did a pretty decent job writing a com writing and directing a comedy. But again, it, it's the performances that sells me on this one. That's going to be a common theme for the next one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and well, the thing, like, with the script is there's a lot of, like screwball antics i guess i'll say yeah that you could almost tell that maybe Amelia wanted to go like a little darker with it mm -hmm. and like be a little more of a black comedy but yeah. somebody was kind of like we have to sell this to like a mass audience so maybe let's tone down some of the darker shit but that's why i think maybe it was a pellet gun that they changed because i yeah. feel like it might have been like a rifle in the actual movie like in the original or something like that <laughs> like i shot him in the ass with a pellet gun I right <laughs> According to you, I'm already on death row. <laughs> right. 
And that's the best thing in that scene. uh, James St. James, a.k.a. Emilio Estevez. He's like, oh, I need a drink. Goes into the cab of the trash truck and brings out a bottle of Jaeger. (laughs) And he's just sipping on a bottle of Jaeger. (laughs) Now, I will tell you this. My the first three years out of high school for me, I worked my summer jobs as a trash man. Now I did it for Mount Laurel Township back when it was still, you know, public works. Now it's all privatized and all that. So I don't know if the same crew of dudes is able to work as trash men because they are, as represented in this movie, a very special breed of human being. They are some of the craziest but like greatest guys I've ever known in my life. But this movie is the best depiction of the life of a trash man i've ever seen <laughs> like the throwing the cans the rolling the bowling balls like i'm not saying we ever did that but that's some shit that would have happened yeah. <laughs> given the chance you know <laughs> now the only thing is like in the locker room with the rival trash guys um those dudes were like the airbags full of shit that come out of the lockers yeah now i don't know but the the just the the speed at which that shit comes out of that airbag may have blinded and or killed those two guys because <laughs> his face is right in the locker and that thing explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that is fair. I, I do think that that velocity very well would have damaged the eyes or killed someone. Absolutely. <laughs> Broken and, nose, maybe. <laughs> oh, easily, easily. Or like it would embed the shit so far in your skin that you're never getting it all out no matter how far you scrub. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But, and that's, well, that's the thing. Like, speak of those other guys. The one dude is like, and he's, and no matter how many times I see this movie, I will never understand his character beyond explaining it as it was the 90s. It's yeah. a white guy with dreads acting like a Rastafarian, but talking like a surfer. <laughs> it is a weird combination of a character that could only exist in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, it's like somewhere down the line, something went really wrong for Bodie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, and speaking of that, I believe it's Roach, not Roach. Um, one of the guys in Point Break is just like milling around in the background as one of the trash men in this movie. Uh, it's Bo Jesse Christopher is the actor's name. Um, he's not, that's not Roach and it's not, um, oh, it's not the other guy. It's not the guy that looks like, um, it has like the uh, the Van Dyke goatee, yeah. And all that. It's uh, he plays Gromit. That's who it Gromit. is. Gromit. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's just kind of floating around the background of what a couple scenes that when they're at the uh, when they're at the uh, the hub, but um, the garbage hub or public works hub, I guess. Yeah. But there are there's also and this movie and this it's also we'll talk about again with Airheads. This movie is a typical like. 90s comedy it takes these like a, a bunch of dudes that are never represented in movies and just yeah. puts them center front and center and you get these two borderline psychopaths like Emilio yeah. Estevez is clearly raging he's just a raging dude's nut job and Charlie Sheen is a peeping Tom pervert <laughs> and they're both alcoholics Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, now that you know that uh, James St. James is rolling around with a Jaeger bottle yeah. just sitting in the front of his truck. <laughs> it's the 90s. You can't get away with that anymore. <laughs> I mean, you barely could in the 90s. <laughs> but and that's the thing. Like, we're, we're introduced to Charlie Sheen in this movie with binoculars peeping on his neighbors across the street. And it's like, Wow. That's a hell of a way to introduce yourself to one of our heroes. (laughs) (laughs) He's just spying on women that are getting changed. He's looking at another dude who's looking back at him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of aging, this it hasn't aged the worst necessarily, but I wouldn't say it has aged well. Yeah, there's there's definitely parts where you're like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's not white boys can't jump aged poorly, but like it's still it did not age like fine wine. <laughs> when did when did the men of white men can't jump become boys? <laughs> white men can't jump. But, <laughs> Ross, I don't think you understand how tired I am. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I know Woody has like a baby face, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> 
It's okay. But, and then you go to see, like, there's the other thing that doesn't, even though it's the best part of the movie, is the fact that Keith David's character is a disgruntled war veteran. Yeah. And, like, he's clearly experiencing some sort of PTSD, some sort of trauma. And he goes, again, one of my favorite scenes from him is when he rants about why the pizza boy can't have a slice of pizza. And he yells, the commie bastard gets no food. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great line. A Kong. <laughs> yeah. So I can't I can't I can't think of how many times I'll just randomly say the commie bastard gets no food. <laughs> <laughs> just such a great delivery. That and line. of course the pizza boy, the actor that plays the pizza boy is um has most recently been in uh It's Always Sunny. He's in the ski uh resort episode. <laughs> Great, great episode. <laughs> now it's imagine, imagine you took Men at Work and that, but you just it's the twin, it's twins, so it's Arnold and Danny DeVito as Trash Men. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great, you know, because DeVito could absolutely be Estevez. I mean, they're about the same height. Yeah, and then just seeing Arnold as a trash man would just be fun. Like to be like, just play the Charlie Sheen character, yeah. <laughs> discussing phrenology. <laughs> <laughs> just Arnold Schwarzenegger discussing phrenology, trying to pull that shit off. But there, <laughs> yeah, there is. Oh man, there. Yeah, when what does a phrenologist do? He uh, he feels and interprets the size of Walt's asshole. You know. <laughs> But yeah, there's there's so many great lines like in this movie, just great situations. It's really just, you know, it's a workplace comedy, quote unquote, that just turns into like this mafia movie. And it's it's ridiculous, but it works every time. And it's so good. Yeah. Now, I am trying to decide if the constant hey carl hey james was on purpose or if that was just emilio's inexperience at writing at that point or if it was meant for to do it for comedic reasons i i would lean towards it being comedic because the way that charlie delivers the lines yeah he almost does it like back to him like it's almost like he's echoing him just to be a dick you know it's coming it's kind of like you know every time emilio's kids carl Carl instinctively calls him James, you know, it's just kind of like, that's what we're going to, and of course they're not, he's not Jimmy, you know, he's not Jim, he's James. <laughs> that's so every time I see like this type of buddy comedy that turn that somehow mafia gets intertwined with, I think, so I think the first, the first movie I can remember seeing with that type of premise it's one of the worst movies I've ever saw, but I do like when it's um, Kangaroo Jack. There you go. That's that's one. Yeah, that was it, the other end. I was thinking I was I was thinking was uh, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's that's kind of got like a mob plot to it. To like yeah, in the but I wouldn't, like a mysterious I wouldn't, crime lord. <laughs> I wouldn't call that one of the worst movies I've ever seen. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's it's another '90s movie yeah. with uh. With that subplot, but yeah, no, Kangaroo Jack is fucking terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, and I actually very much enjoy Anthony Anderson usually. Yeah, usually he's pretty great, you know. And then you had the uh, the fat kid from Stand by Me, <laughs> right? Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, Jerry O'Connell, yeah. Who's no longer the fat kid? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he will forever be the fat kid from Stand right. by well, Me. Of course, and the best part is he like he's really self aware about that too. Like, so he's cool with it. So it's like, all right, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah and then i mean of course you know dumb and dumber said that weird like crime subplot to it with these morons stumbling into you know uh onto this plot but um it's yeah and the weird thing is though like without that this movie i i don't know if they could have kept up the whole rival trash men thing the whole time yeah i don't think they like, it, it would it just wouldn't have worked so like you almost need that weird ass get roped into some sort of underworld criminal thing that to keep it going and yeah it's even i'm trying better to think because of like, yeah i'm trying to think of what other subplot you could go with to make it work like you got you got a handful guys become cops and try and go like 
they try to become like vigilante types. <laughs> right. Well, the natural subplot would be to have those other cops, the ones that are always after them. Yeah. Like somehow follow them around, try to catch them doing shit or whatever. But those guys, of course, and that's again speaks to the fact that a lot of some of this doesn't hold up. The whole thing where they get strapped to, they get handcuffed to each other. So in their boxers on the merry-go-round, like the little kids little merry-go-round thing or tilt the world or whatever it is but um they the whole joke is oh you boys look sorry i stumbled across you boys like this you know uh go about your business it's like oh i get it they're gay haha <laughs> you know it's yeah. like <laughs> no these men are clearly handcuffed to each other and in, and in need of help you know now so keith david is virtually perfect in this role but if you had to recast them Oh man! So like, if we were doing modern times, Idris Elba is my choice. Oh, absolutely! Oh, he'd be great. I would, yeah. I would be, I would love to see Idris Elba as. Lewis. All right, actually, you know, we're not doing recasting. We're doing modern casting. You remake this movie today. Who Idris Elba is obviously he's taking over the character of Lewis. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, Charlie um, and Emilio Estevez. Well, naturally, and I mean, of course, they've. They've well, they're well past their peak, but uh, Will Farrell, John C. Riley, you know? yeah, <laughs> that would be a good one. Or you get um, like your Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson would have been a good one at one point. Um, even you could go, you could go the other guys route and do uh, do Will Farrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> and have, have Farrell be Charlie Sheen and Wahlberg be as the best. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or you start with The Rock and um, Samuel L. Jackson as the rival trash guys yeah. <laughs> who, get, who get hit with the shit, and then we follow the other dudes. <laughs> now, if you bring up The Rock, you could do The Rock and Kevin Hart. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. And then uh, I'm just trying to think, like, who would be Maxwell Potterdam third? Because that guy is just – he's just he's just a generic – like like good enough actor to be the villain in this movie like you don't need anybody great you know? but you could go over the top with it to get a more over the top villain absolutely absolutely so you go with like somebody like gary oldman <laughs> maybe john malkovich <laughs> now i was thinking a different route i was thinking more of a uh, matthew lillard and get him to go nuts with it that would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Matthew Lillard would be good. You know, get him to like channel his uh his stew mocker energy. Yeah, <laughs> channel like, just do, dig deep into his career and go back to a uh, hackers and scream. You know. Yeah. Like, All right, Matt. This is what we want from you. We want like grown up stew <laughs> and um uh I forget his character's name in uh in the hackers, but. We want we want that. That's what we want. You know, we want that kind of energy as a fifty year old man or whatever. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to scream. It's a scream, baby, and like get the drool going and everything. Like you got to be able to do it. He's <laughs> serial him, serial have, killer. That's what it was. Have him channel his uh, inner uh, SLC punk Steve O character. There you go. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Is it me or did they do a sequel to that? I don't know. I think I read somewhere that they did or wanted to do a sequel to that. Oh, yeah, it, Punk's Dead uh, SLC Punk 2 came wow. out in 2016 and is not rated. Yeah, probably because absolutely no one saw it, so they legitimately couldn't rate it. <laughs> 4.7 stars on IMDb. Sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. But, uh, yeah, that would that would be fun. And then, of course, just to hear, you know, Idris Elba's Keith, that was Lois Fetters, just to hear him, instead yeah. of yelling, the commie bastard gets no food, just be like, I'm Black Superman, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Now, just, if, just work it into every role he ever does. <laughs> if you were recasting for the time, like, the only one I could think to maybe put in would be, like, a late 80s, early 90s Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he'd be great, but he would become the star of the movie. Yeah. Because he'd be improv going nuts, and it would be yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, you know, and yeah. it'd be awesome. But, um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, because Chris Rock would have been great, you know, but yeah. he'd been, he would have been a little young. 
but he would have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of anybody that's not, because obviously, you know, we're swapping in black guys, but I'm trying to think of like anybody, just anybody in general that could have played that role and played it as well as Keith David. But, you know, he's Keith David, you know, it's even he's got the, in voice, little, like he's got the natural voice and then the comedic timing and absolutely. And just like the natural, like Keith Davidness that he yeah. has, the man is just inherently great at almost everything he's ever done, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just having him in there. It, it's what makes it really because he just brings that like that Keith David look and that Keith David sound. It's just it's his, his delivery is perfect and everything, especially when he's like, now you cops must think I'm as dumb as you look because, yeah. you know, don't you know that a, re- a flashlight hitting the ground makes a completely different sound than a revolver? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get Mr. Funny Man come around and join his friend up here. <laughs> but he's oh, he's so good. He's, he's like I said, it's my introduction, my introduction to the man. I was like, you know what? Pretty much down for everything else this guy's going to do. <laughs> and I love, like, he's so, I mean, he'll just lend his voice for, like, an occasional thing. Like, like he'll be, like, a cameo voice actor and stuff. We just talked about him. Apollo and uh, Hercules. He's only yeah. has, like, two lines. <laughs> and I think those lines are, like, one or two words each. <laughs> he's also awesome. And, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the Princess and the Frog, but, uh, Dr. Uh, Fassler is an amazing villain. He is awesome. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, you couldn't, the only other person I could see doing that role would be like Tony Todd. Like, that's the only other kind of like terrifying yet like charismatic voice you could get to do that role. And he'd be great. Yeah. But Keith David, still, you know, he's still much, the much better choice for that. But yeah. Sure. But then, of course, you know, if you want to get nuts, you swap out in, in like, current charlie sheen bring him back for men at work the remake <laughs> have him bring come back as carl now you know <laughs> which i think is what carl would look like now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I think that's, it's, yeah exactly it's probably the most accurate casting ever of just what a man's life would be like 30 years later because <laughs> he's a degenerate as we know has the Sheen, fa- the Sheen Estevez family done, like, a picture with all three of them? Yeah, I, I don't know. Probably. I'm sure they have. I don't know if it's been recently, but I'm sure they have. Imagine they did a recent one. That'd be great. That'd be kind of terrifying. I mean, because Emilio and, like, Martin would be looking at him like, are we really doing this? We're not going to Photoshop or fix him up a little bit? <laughs> He's a fucking skeleton. What's happening here? <laughs> Why is he gray? <laughs> and who are these prostitutes that are following him? Wait a minute. I just realized something. Oh, dear. So the sh- <laughs> you, Jimmy Neutron was long past what your time would have lost. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it. I never actually have seen it. Well, one of Jimmy's best friends' name is Sheen Estevez. Nice. <laughs> I there wonder you go. if that – like, I really hope that – they because he's a total nut job, so I hope that they had the Sheen Estevez family in mind when they made that. Oh, I would hope so, that's too much of a coincidence, you know. And like, uh, that's what he looks yep. like. Yep, <laughs> for, those of you right. who, for those of you who don't know who Sheen Estevez from Jimmy Neutron is, look him up. Like, it, it's just look up the best of because you, you'll be like, oh. He has to be based off of what you yeah. imagine a young Charlie Sheen to be. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, and that's, that's the other thing with this movie, isn't it? Like Keith David and Charlie Sheen were both in platoon, right? Yeah. Like, so there, this is kind of like them working together again, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, this, Oh God, this movie it's, it's, and it's on right now. It's on Amazon prime. You can watch it if you have prime. It's, it's, I have the DVD of it. Um, yeah, I watched it through Prime. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's got it so good. I it, a lot of it doesn't quite hold up. Um, and the but, acting from uh, whatever the female lead's name is, I can't even remember the actress's name because she's that forgettable. But you know, she's perfectly fine. But she's like, she's like that actress in the early '90s that you'd get that would be in a movie like this, and then nothing ever again. You know. <laughs> Now, like, like another one for 
I, I don't know how the ages would work when, like, at what point. And it's Leslie Hope. Leslie Hope, yeah, I did. Yeah, I just saw that, too. Um, I don't know how the ages would work and stuff. But, like, Robert Downey Jr. is Charlie Sheen's character. Okay. And okay. then... Like, nowadays? I don't know, because, like, it might You're a little worked. old now. Yeah, he's old now. But I'm saying, like, if we were doing a recasting... He, I'd say you go with, like, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang era. Yeah. yeah that would, That'd be a good one. And then, like, Neil Patrick Harris... Speaking of Neil, have you seen the uh, Matrix Four trailer? No. We we posted it on a Happy Hour Film, but yeah, it's going to be. I, a I, know. Christmas. I saw that we posted it, but I've been away, so I haven't had sure. a chance to watch it yet. It's going to be a Keanu Christmas, and uh, our buddy NPH is in it. Same with uh, Jonathan Groff from uh, Frozen; he's in it as well. I mean, now they they recast Morpheus. Now, of course, we got to see why they recast him if it's not a. Uh, if it's some sort of alternate reality or some shit, maybe yeah. another matrix, who knows? But uh yeah, I think the guy's name's like Yaya Abdul Mateen. He was um Black Manta in Aquaman. He's been uh he was in uh us. He's he's really good. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's also in that um episode of Black Mirror when um he and uh Anthony Mackey are in the fighting game and they like end up having like a video game relationship. But um I yeah, get he's, into Black Mirror more. Yeah, it's 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 obviously really good, but that episode in particular is really good. Yeah, yeah. I've only watched one episode all the way through of Black Mirror. It's a good one. You got to start from the beginning and then go to the end because you can't just jump around. You got to kind of start when it was great and then get to when it was just good. You know, the one episode I saw was when the guy like had a chip that implement that put him in like a hard kind of game, and then he died. Like he goes through the whole horror sequence and then. You think it lasted the whole episode, but he died in like 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. That's one of the lesser ones. There's uh, the best one. I think it's called White Bear. It's uh, these people that are like they, they're running through their lives and everybody's filming them like on their phones while they're being uh, chased. And it's uh, it's a great, great little reveal and a great little like social commentary. But it's a good one. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like Bryce Dallas Howard's in one where. Uh, like your likes on social media are essentially like how popular you are in real life. It's kind of like a little on the nose metaphor wise, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, but yeah, I think Neil Patrick, yeah, getting back to Neil Patrick Harris, he'd probably be pretty good as the Emilio Estevez role. It'd be fun. And just, uh, just throw whoever in as Lewis, you know, just anybody you come across on the street, just put him in there <laughs> or just go back and Keith David. Cause he'd still fucking kill it. <laughs> yeah. Or Idris Elba would work at that time period too. Absolutely. You'd have The Wire, Idris Elba. Oh, yes. That would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. Speaking of The Wire, RIP Michael K. Williams. That was was a shock. We never really uh, got to talk about that guy, but I'm sure he'll come up at some point. He's great. He was awesome. Omar. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's probably enough about men at work. Why don't we uh, do our little beer check-in, see how we're, uh, we're drinking. My... Crooked Steps from Lunacy Brewing is pretty delicious. Uh, nice, nice. Is that something nice. I would drink? A, like seven point five percent. It's one I'd have like probably one or two when I was relaxing. Like it doesn't have a real party vibe, but it's definitely a beer I could relax and drink while watching like a football game or something. Yeah, that's usually how it goes with the higher percentages, the uh, ABVs. You know, you just want to kind of hang out, have one or two of them. You know? Yeah. Like maybe uh, maybe finish a night with those, you know, mm-hmm. just relaxing. But um, all right. So yeah, my Mary Lee, please don't eat me. Saison ale, ship on brewery, awesome as usual. Haven't had a bad one yet. They had one I got was uh, when I went down there a few weeks ago. It was a uh, chum bucket was what it was called, and it was uh, had Swedish fish in it, and it was like pink. It's delicious. <laughs> They also have an Italian Pilsner I haven't gotten to yet. Slice of Pills, which I uh, think is going to be pretty decent. But uh, so yeah, as usual, Chef Bottom is awesome. Everyone knows to listen to this podcast. Now, on to my other pick, which was 1994's Airheads, which was directed by Mike Lerman. Uh, Heather's 40 Days and 40 Nights, and he did about 15 episodes of True Blood. But uh, this guy kind of nailed it with this one. I think he didn't need to do much else. He fucking killed it with this one. Now, before we jump full on into this, 
a couple of weeks ago, I talked to one of our uh, our listeners on uh, hitting me up on Facebook, and uh, this guy Sammy that I was talking to. Sammy, if you're listening, thank you very much. It was fun talking to you. He's originally from Newark, and uh, now he's out in uh, California. He's out there, and he told me that based on you know his is uh, I I gave him the clue as of uh, what we were going to do uh, for Airheads because he's a metalhead. And I was like, hey, man, we're doing metal and we're doing uh, airheads. He's like, hey, man, he told me this story that apparently uh, Lemmy kidnapped him slightly for a little bit and took him on tour for about four days. So I was like, perfect. <laughs> He's like, you know why Lemmy is God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so incredible. Little, yeah, I know. That's all. I was like, that's amazing. So this guy, so this, uh, Sammy, if you're uh, listening, which hopefully you are, you know, you're going to love this part. <laughs> but and thank you for listening uh, to our other shit. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, God. Now this, of course, first movie featuring Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler together as yeah. uh, Rex and Pip brothers. Now, this is like this is golden age Sandler, like early golden age Sandler. Yep. Yeah, this is this is non um, uh, uh, happy Madison Sandler, you know, yeah. but still Adam Sandler, you know. And of course, um, what's his name? The guy that plays the he plays the cop outside the radio station that does the walk with sandler like walks back and forth with him oh uh, yeah i think i think his name's dennis i think it might be dennis dugan that might be the guy but um yeah he's he's the caddy in happy gilmore and uh that's one obviously he's one of sandler's crew you know and uh and then just the cast of this movie is phenomenal you really can't get a better like early '90s cast than this movie. You get Farley in there, you... <laughs> uh, right? Well, Brendan Fraser, he's getting his comeback at last after getting finally. blackballed. Like his well-deserved comeback. Absolutely, we appreciate you, Brendan. <laughs> of course. No, there's that's the thing, Brendan Fraser, man. That dude got a raw deal in Hollywood. I just, I just don't know what it was, and he just got a raw deal. But he's he's always been great. Yeah. No, I can't really think of anything that I haven't at least enjoyed him in, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, The Mummy. Certified classic. Absolutely. <laughs> um, his He only showed up on a couple episodes of Scrubs and instantly became one of the most memorable characters with one right. of the saddest plot lines. Yeah, and uh, Alan Covert is uh, the guy I'm thinking of, the cop, the caddy, and all that. But yeah, yeah, Brendan Fraser and Scrubs, like, oh, God, those episodes with, with Cox when you find out what really yeah. happened to his character and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> Cause he it'll plays Jordan's brother. Yeah, yeah. It'll rip your heart out. It's not, it's tough, but like, but seeing him in this and it's like, he plays Chaz. Of course he's the, he's the lead singer of the lone Rangers. <laughs> How, How do you pluralize lone Rangers? <laughs> There's three of you. You're not exactly lone. I love Sandler's response. No idea what you're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> and this is again. So this movie, the script is fine. It's it's solid enough. It's solid for a comedy, but it's the performances that do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like we said, it's Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler. Then of course you get Joe Montana, Michael McKeon, yeah. Judd Nelson, Ernie fucking Hudson, the late great Reggie Kathy. David Arquette, Michael Richards, Marshall Bell, who we talked about with twins because he was the hitman in that. And now he's the head of the SWAT team who has a problem with guys who were his pool cleaners because his wife left him for one. <laughs> and that's why he's so pissed off when he fight when they find Pip's pool cleaning gear. <laughs> and then there's just like the lesser characters, like the chick that plays Susie. With two Z's. Then there's the yeah. woman that plays Yvette. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can leave. You'll be home time for the Simpsons. <laughs> or Yvonne, <laughs> I think your name is. Oh, God. This movie, it's... I love when Sandler, like, goes out and, like, the, he's, like, stepping with the cop. He's like, let me back in. I can't go to jail. I'm fragile. <laughs> I'm fragile. <laughs> and then, of course, there's Amy... Okay, now there's also Amy Locaine who plays Kayla, the worst human being in the world. But she is also from Trenton, New Jersey, originally. So she is a local girl. She's, she's a hometown girl. We, uh, we got to appreciate that, of course. But, uh, appreciate but you, in New Jerseyans. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yvonne is the woman. Yeah, Yvonne, you'll be home. You can leave. You'll be home in time for the Simpsons. But um, it's yeah, Emily O'Kane. She, Kate, the character of Kayla, of course, has to be like that Sunset Strip, like gorgeous bottle blonde, like gorgeous blonde, like LA girl. And at the same time, she is the biggest psychopath of the yeah. entire crew. You know? <laughs> I love I love when they bring the tip when she finally brings the tape back after it's been like kicked and pissed on and all that hit yeah. with cars and all that. And just Buscemi's like, what did you do to this? It smells like piss, man. <laughs> now with this movie, could you not picture this somehow being like an episode of Seinfeld that Kramer gets George yes. and Jerry into something like this. Like they're trying to get Jerry's uh, comedy played on the radio and he, he somehow drags George and Jerry in on it and it just gets way out of hand. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. There, and that's the thing. Kramer, like Michael Richards, of course, you know, his recent antics his well his last antics aside because i think that pretty much killed his career his little rant on stage when he tried to do his comeback on stand-up but in his early career he was kramer like in every role uhf he's kramer but he's a janitor in this he's kramer but he works at a radio station you know and then of course he was kramer you know and that's it's a very it's a very you know spot-on case of typecasting but playing it perfectly you know he that's that michael richards is very good at playing that character and um yeah he's the man on the inside that they have (laughs) and uh i I just love when he's like he's scouring like the break room like for the food and everything and like but there's no one around yet he's still like sneaking (laughs) around the room and like pulling the sandwich and like the ice cream and all that since we brought up Seinfeld, I'm just saying, just, I'm just throwing out my pitch name because I was at the Chargers Washington football team game. Name pitch for the Washington football team. They will become the Washington Georges, and it will not be George Washington as their mascot. No, it will be George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great. Just to like take, you know, from that like velvet that painting that he does of where he's like uh, the sexy painting on the couch. Yeah. Like get his face from that, like the photo, and just put it on their helmets. Yes. <laughs> or the, yeah, when he's like swinging the bat, and it, when he has like the bat in his hand and that face. Right when he's hitting all the home runs, yeah. the Yankee with uh, the batting coach because he's he's no longer having sex, so he's like yeah. becoming more intelligent. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then. Of course, you know, like we mentioned before, the late grade, he recently died, Reggie Cathy. That dude is awesome, you know? And in this, of course, he plays another, like, 90s character stereotype because he's an angry black man, you know? and But he does have one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is when Pip is trying to talk to him about how, you know, he's mad. He's, like, upset that black people are oppressed and everything they've had to grow through and all that kind of shit. And he turns and looks at him. He goes, "You mind backing up, man? You're standing on my dick, man." <laughs> I was like, "Just the delivery, yeah. is so fucking good." <laughs> and then he's like, "You and me, me and you, we gonna throw down, yeah, mano a swine." <laughs> it's like Ken, Reggie, Kathy, like man was a treasure. <laughs> I also, I also love. He's like, "Whose side did you take when uh, Van Halen split up? David Lee Roth or Van Halen?" Van Halen, he's a cop. He's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's a judgment call. They sold a lot of records after that. Yeah, then of course that leads to the great who would win in a wrestling match between Lemmy or God. Yeah. God, Lemmy, God, nah, trick question. Lemmy is God, you know? And of course, <laughs> Lemmy shows up shortly afterwards. Lemmy comes to himself. He is the used to be the editor of the school magazine. You yes. know? <laughs> we also get a cameo from much lesser celebrity, Stuttering John from the Howard Stern show. <laughs> He's the guy <laughs> who used to masturbate constantly. <laughs> but one of my favorite bits about this movie. Now, of course, we are shown when Chris Farley's character goes on the hunt for Kayla. He goes to the whiskey and um, he has to find her amongst every other blonde hot blonde in LA you know he has to try to find her and he goes into the metal bar and the band playing is White Zombie now the reason White Zombie even was in this movie is because Ace Ventura 
used Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> Jim Carrey's favorite band at the time was Cannibal Corpse. That's why they're in Ace Ventura. Now, Airheads wanted to use somebody along those lines, but couldn't. And I think it was Cannibal Corpse was one, and I think Slayer might have been the other option. But Slayer was like, you yeah, know, that's not happening, <laughs> you know. So they ended up getting obviously they got White Zombie, but it's yeah, like there's a little thing, and then of course there's the little tidbit of who would play, who would have played Chaz had Brendan Fraser not been available because there was originally another actor that was the that one day people wanted to be Chaz. Now it's the early nineties; it's nineteen ninety four. This man has yet to appear in probably his greatest role. Now, his sister has appeared in her greatest role at this point. She, they're part of a, an acting family dynasty. His sister has played, is played Debbie in the Adams Family Values. Now, Mike, you're looking at me like you have no clue who this is. Joan Cusack was Debbie. Oh, John Cusack? John Cusack was originally planned to be Chaz in this movie. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that would have been interesting. That's, uh. <laughs> exactly. It's like, just swap out Brendan Fraser as Chaz for John Cusack as Chaz. And you essentially get high fidelity John Cusack. But as like a dumb hair rocker, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a hair band, like metal rocker kind of thing. Who chants Rodney King? <laughs> Rodney King. Rodney. Who's Rodney King? What's that mean? Who's that guy? <laughs> we got the guns. <laughs> they got the guns, but we got the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Doors lyric. <laughs> this movie is something else. All right. It. Now, again, we got to raise the question. Today, who are you casting as the Lone Rangers? Well, here's the thing. All right. So the character of Rex, played by Steve Buscemi, is absolutely based on Rex Brown from Pantera. The craziest thing is they look identical. (laughs) (laughs) I would put Rex Brown in his role just to have him be himself. I would have him play himself in this movie. I don't care if he can't act. I don't care if he's fucking weird now. I would have him play that character nowadays. That'd so what you're saying great. is, this is like the equivalent of if there was a movie where the band was loosely based on the Chili Peppers, Will Farrell would play the drummer? Exactly. Yes, he would play Chad Smith. <laughs> but, <laughs> and the thing is, like nowadays, obviously this movie being what it is, Every other movie that when you think of like a band and movies, obviously we got Michael McKean's direct con- um, uh, connection to this is Spinal Tap, obviously. Yeah. You know, the biggest movie about metal ever. Yeah. You know, like the most spot-on mockumentary I've ever seen in my life. And it's a class, it's a classic that will never be done. I mean, this is Spinal Tap is like, goes down as probably, depending where you rank it, like a top 20 comedy. Like it, it, it is in that pedigree. Oh, absolutely. And considering that like 95% of it is completely improv for what is on that screen. And that's phenomenal because yeah. it's amazing. It seems like it was all planned out, but it really wasn't. And yeah. airheads is right up there, like right up there, like second tier. Like there's, this is spinal taps at the top airheads is right below that because it really does capture like the early nineties, late eighties, LA Santa Monica hair metal grunge, turn like guns and roses becoming ascendant kind of thing like all of that there is that whole just boiling point for metal music is perfectly captured in this movie by these three dudes and their whole me- their whole mentality like when brendan fraser says when michael mckean's going up he's like he's like you're, he's like you look like half a butt puppet he's like do you know what it's like to go on stage for 15 minutes and the only people that show up to see you are the other bands and their girlfriends yeah, i am out there in the streets i'm living it i am rock and roll and it's like yeah oh yeah that was the exact life of those guys at the time you know it's like that's never really been put on screen that way mm-hmm. but so like now when you hear about it you're like okay you know Every other band's got to be some story like Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's like, let's make a family-friendly version of the Queen story and have Freddie Mercury being bisexual be, like, hinted at, you know? And 
the fact that we got to add a little drama here, we got to change some events up, make shit the way go the way uh, it went goes down this movie because reality wasn't that dramatic. You know, yeah. Queen wasn't as dramatic as Bohemian Rhapsody portrays it to be. Yeah. But then there's like the Elton John story, like Rocket Man. You know, it's like Elton John's story is a lot more interesting than that movie. Yeah. You know, for sure. But so for us to do like an Airheads now, mm-hmm. I think you'd need to do like an aging rocker type. You'd almost need to do like Metallica's Some Kind of Monster documentary. Like when they're all, when James is coming out of rehab and they're trying to put together that shitty St. Anger album, you almost have to do that as a comedy. Like this is Spinal Tap for like Metallica essentially. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with them like going through therapy and going like trying to dry out like all the modern problems that rockers have essentially, not the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that were the late eighties and early nineties. Like you'd have to do the guys that are trying to get clean and have careers and money to pay bills, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think who could look the part. Well, like, that's the thing. Like, um, actually. You could go Jim Carrey route with like Jim Carrey with the bigger beard, longer hair. Yeah. Like yeah, the more worldly kind of age Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. Weird weirdly enough. Obviously, and obviously Jim Carrey, for all of his his political opinions nowadays and all of his like bad acting choices that he's made recently. Refer to our episode with the bad batch. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's one of the good choices because he's actually really good in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but so to like, but some of the choices that he's made, like I would say later in his career, like, you know, to do a sequel to dumb and dumber to do, you know, the number 23 to do all of his serious horse shit that he did. You know, if you get him to play, because he's obviously got the metal pedigree, like he's into Cannibal Corpse and the like. So he could play the role because I'm sure those dudes are friends of his, Mm -hmm. you know? So he probably could absolutely jump into that role and play it. So if we're talking about doing like a comedic version of some kind of monster from Metallica, he could absolutely be James Hetfield, you know? (laughs) Because he's got the charisma to be the lead singer. (laughs) But... Like trying to think of somebody to play like Buscemi, I don't know, man. I feel if like we're doing back to Buscemi. Yeah, if we're doing like an aging, like the more aging rock group, then Buscemi works. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the most recent thing I saw Steve Buscemi in was um that Death of Stalin movie where he plays like Khrushchev. I think like mm-hmm. it was he was great in it because he's Steve Buscemi. You know, it's yeah. The dude is just actually no. The most recent thing I think it was Rick and Morty. He played um, one of Planetina's quote unquote kids, like the grown up yeah. adults that she has. He was one of them, and I was like, "It's fucking Steve Buscemi, man. You know, you can't get better than that guy. He's just awesome." <laughs> Whereas this is that means you got to find a replacement for Sandler, which unfortunately nowadays with Hollywood being what it is, they get Pete Davidson because he can do a, a Sandler impression. You know, it's it's like we wouldn't think any farther than that. <laughs> But here's the thing, like, again, aging group, Pete Davidson does not fit the age range. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, that's why you got to get, I don't know. I don't know. That, see, that's where I would want to get weird with it. I'd want to put somebody, like I mentioned before, like John Malkovich in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, have Malkovich be Sandler. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, you have Malkovich in there. You could, like, I do feel like the drummer should be bald. I don't know why. I feel like you should be. Yeah, it just kind of works. <laughs> it feels right. <laughs> right, exactly. Like speaking of Metallica, Lars Ulrich, he is definitely yeah. balding now, you know. So it's that's why he's always wearing hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd absolutely want to put like yeah, it makes sense. It just makes sense to have a bald guy as your drummer. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of like a good aging one. I don't know. I mean I would also like to see, you know, because there are dudes in, in metal, like in like actual metal musicians that are funny guys, yeah, you know, that are just like personalities. So you could kind of mix and match and put them in there. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm creating a band, like a fake band out of real musicians, you're going to obviously nowadays people are going to be like, oh, Corey Taylor's the, you know, he's the he's the guy that we get opinions from. Let's make him a lead singer because that's what he is. And then you'd have to get um, like Lars Ulrich would be your, you know, your drummer or 
then you'd have to like branch out and try to find your charismatic guitarist, which I think like Matt Heafy from Trivium would probably be pretty good. But uh, like a lot of dudes like could play themselves in yeah. these roles. And I think it would actually be pretty fun. You'd have to like, um, uh, what's his name? Adam from Kill Switch Engage. The dude's hilarious. Yeah. Like, you could have him absolutely be a guitar player of some kind, you know? But it's, and that's that's the thing where like one of my favorite lead singers of all time is Peter Steele from Typo Negative. The dude was just legitimately a funny dude, and he was very self-deprecating. He had a very damaged life and story, and you know mental issues and all that. He, had, he was very you know deal with a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. But the dude was very self-deprecating and funny. You could put him in, and he could absolutely probably kill it as uh, Chaz, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, but of course he's dead, unfortunately. So. Or just having Lemmy. Like, that'd be great to have a living Lemmy play Chats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be that sick. Would go down. <laughs> See him playing off of Ernie Hudson, that'd be great. <laughs> of course, we, we just mentioned Ernie Hudson is in this movie. Now, also, the best trivia about this movie. Mike, did you recognize the parking lot that they have outside of that radio station? No. You absolutely should, because the building we have talked about before is in the background of several shots. Nakatomi Plaza is the oh, other building. Die Hard is it's the other building that's in the background of a lot of these scenes. They share a parking lot, and the radio station is a building next door. So, yeah, it's filmed essentially in the same set as Die Hard, just not in the right building. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, in the background, you can theoretically see uh, Reginald Vell Johnson <laughs> Getting a dead man thrown through his car and driving off, like uh, driving out of the parking lot and crashing. <laughs> All while the Lone Rangers have taken over the radio station next door. Come to think of it, that facility has a lot of hostage situations going on with it. <laughs> and it just so happens one of them was with water guns, not not real guns and Germans. <laughs> a water gun wielding rock band. <laughs> Right, with hot sauce in the end. One of them has hot sauce in his Uzi. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Like Hans Gruber just takes over with water guns. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots Takagi in the face with hot sauce <laughs> instead of a bullet. <laughs> Takagi just brought back out with like, like very like peppery red eyes. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, you won't believe the horrors they inflicted on me. <laughs> they just kept squirting me in the eyes with hot sauce. <laughs> me to play their demo on the air. I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> so I gave them the code to the vault. Now they have $80 million. <laughs> die hard eggs, airheads. Die, die airheads. John air McClane versus the Lone Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> McClane. McLean defeats Gruber and then has to deal with the hostage situation across the parking lot. <laughs> he has to go over with a KPPX or whatever. He has to deal with the uh, the so the soothing sounds of the rain after all this yeah. because they've switched formats and everyone's pissed off. <laughs> oh, that'd be phenomenal! That's a hell of a crossover right there. I want to yeah. see that movie. John McClane tries to sneak up on him, accidentally gets shot in the face with hot sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Or accidentally gets actually shot because he's crawling around the air ducts with Kramer. (laughs) And he turns the wrong corner and actually gets shot because he has a real gun at that point. (laughs) That would be phenomenal. Then, of course, Reginald, you know, Reginald Bell Johnson gets out. He's He's walking over to Ernie Hudson. He's like, do you need some help? I just literally just went through this. <laughs> I got Twinkies if you guys are hungry. <laughs> so this could be an old, uh, Airheads could be an Always Sunny episode as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this it would be more of an accident that they took over something yeah. or whatever. But, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Mac, Dennis, and <laughs> they try to start a band. Yes. <laughs> or it's well that was one of their um like one of their promotional things from one of the most recent seasons they were like a hair metal band yeah and they had they're like a glam band and they did that that would have been a great one yeah the patties (laughs) the lone patties (laughs) but yeah there's oh god this this movie and of course the soundtrack is like 
it's all except obviously except for motorhead doing the one song the opening credit song and white zombie the rest of this soundtrack is essentially like c-level hairband metal music from that time and it's like the sons of thunder or an actual band called like the galactic cowboys or something yeah those dudes never had a hit so (laughs) it's pretty great that they're playing you know the the joke band in the in the uh, in the movie mm-hmm. where the lone rangers whose biggest song is um i think it's the uh oh god it's not the dead kennedys but um they uh they the reagan it's the reagan youth is what it is they're G- degenerated that's their actual song degenerated and so like the funniest thing is that they're they're the biggest metal song here is based off of a punk band you know <laughs> And of course, Pip doesn't want to fart in a snare drum for the fake video. And Judd Nelson is Jimmy Jimmy Wing from Palantide Records. It's it's all just so great. And I could again, I can watch this movie over and over again and never be sick of it. Yeah, it's, no, this movie is pretty awesome, and it's very performance. Like the performances are great; they're perfect. Brendan Fraser, yeah. you're perfect. Steve Buscemi, you're perfect. Adam Sandler. You're perfect in this. <laughs> in this movie. Yes. In this era. <laughs> in this in this early 90s era. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. And then of course, one of my the things every time I watch this movie, the one thing that always sticks out to me, and it it's it's crazy that it's kind of like it mirrors like the future. The news report that's given about this hostage situation at the radio station, and the news reporter does the most editorializing I've ever seen of a headline reporter, where she's like, the only capitalist edifice that are MTV-soaked minds understand. It's like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just supposed to be saying, band holds up radio station. Yeah, (laughs) That's all you're supposed to say. You're not supposed to call these guys out for being degenerate human beings, you know? It's like, what kind of asshole are you, lady? It's like, is this the 24-hour news cycle that we have nowadays, you know, where they'll just fucking throw anything on there because they have to fill airtime? <laughs> no, this is like the local news in L.A., and so she should be just saying, and now we go to Dickhead Jones live at the scene, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we go to, uh, what's his name, from Die Hard. We go to, <laughs> go to, uh, we go to, we go to Richard Thorne from live, live from the scene. <laughs> <laughs> God, John McClane versus the Lone Rangers. <laughs> it's it'll happen. Die Hard Six is coming up, so it'll happen. <laughs> but I I think my favorite underrated line from this movie is one. It's like a blink and you miss it, and you got to be paying attention. It's when Milo gives a speech about the the format changing and it becoming the rain and everybody having to restaff. You hear Susie. She puts her head in her hands and she says, all those blowjobs for nothing. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, what a great and sad line. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Really. Milo doesn't have the quiet cool that Pip does, you know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's even grosser. <laughs> also, doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah. It does not hold up. But, uh. And also just side note, I'm looking at my notes, things I didn't mention. I love how the big revelation that Chaz's real name is Chester is such a giant revelation for people. Like, his birth name was going to be Chaz, you know? Yeah, no, if if you're going by the nickname Chaz, you were either born Chester or Charles. Right, there's two options. (laughs) Just absolutely two options. I mean, and if you were birth name of Chaz, more power to you, bro. But I I don't think that's actually happening out there. But, um, yeah. And then, of course, just my me personally, my personal taste on music. When Chaz says, you really think I give a shit about the Beatles? I mean, are you going to tell me that Purple Haze is trying to say something? There you go. I mean, right there. That's that's the boomer mentality summed up in one sentence. <laughs> it's like, really? Oh, yeah, your music was so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the fucking Beatles, the first boy group. Yeah, they were great. John Lennon was beating the shit out of Yoko Ono the whole time. But no, let's let's memorialize the man as a hero. Sure. <laughs> and now, of course, I will alienate all of New Jersey by saying this. You could substitute Bruce Springsteen for Beatles in that quote, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> like, I, I do like I do like Bruce a decent bit, but 
All right. So New Jersey can come back just to agree with Mike. They can hate me. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that has been our chat on airheads and the end of week one for Ross. So, uh, Mike, where can people find us on the Internet? You can find us for your streaming pleasure on oh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you can get your podcasts from. You can also find us on social media and Facebook and Instagram at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Give us a like, shoot us a message, write a comment, give us a follow. We love to hear from you. Absolutely. And like I said, my conversation with Sammy, that dude's awesome. You know, it's, that's the shit we love. Like you guys want to hit me up. I'm it's usually, I'm the one that responds to the Facebook shit. I Mike's usually the Instagram. Instagram, Mike's the Instagram guy. So uh, depending on who you want to talk to, that's where you got to hit us up, you know? Uh, so uh, if you want to do that, obviously we welcome it. We love it. That's why we're doing this thing to uh, not only put our opinions about movies out in the ether, but we want to actually talk to people about it. That's for sure. Out. For sure. So next week we return with Mike's second week. Now, Mike, why don't you let us know what we're going to be watching? Thanks to you again. All right. So next week. So one of my favorite movies in recent memory is Knives Out. So I thought it'd be fun to do the most famous murder mystery movie, arguably with Clue. And then the deconstruction of the murder mystery genre with Knives Out. Yep. And of course we get, Tim Curry's wonderful performance in Clue. Love Tim Curry. <laughs> it's so good. And I almost wish he could do the what he does at the end of Clue for Knives yeah. Out as well. Yeah. <laughs> like at the end of that movie, that would be, be so good. Imagine Dan out. Uh, yeah, we'll save it for the next week. <laughs> right. Exactly. But so, yes, to, to find out if we would also want Daniel Craig to do what Tim Curry does in that movie, uh, you'll have to tune in next week. So yeah. until that time, I have been Ross Baker. I've been Mike McWiggin. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.